Coming up, I got Masters Talk, I have Food Arguments, and I have one of the best singers in America. It's all next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Make this summer the best one yet. Invest in a Simply Safe home security system. I have one. I love it. It's a great way to protect your home when you're not there. Um, you need one, especially during the summer. You know what burglars know? People go away during the summer. That's what happens. So when you're away, you want to make sure your place is protected. You want to make sure that you potentially have little camera things you can watch on your phone to see what, what's happening at your house, at your front door, inside. You deserve some peace of mind. Get it today with Simply Safe. Right now, get 20% off any new Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com/slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where you can find the new episodes of the Rewatchables. We did He Got Game, me and Van Lathan and Logan Murdoch. It was really fun. It's the 25th anniversary of that movie. A movie that I have a complicated relationship with, but over the last 10 to 12 years. I just actually really like it and I like it more and more every year. Nobody's come close to replicating it. So we talked about that and a whole bunch of other stuff. You can check that out. Check out the new Prestige TV podcast as well, where they did Yellow Jackets, Mallory and Joanna. We have a precap with Waz and Chris heading toward episode three, which there are no screeners of as of yet. So we might be doing that episode raw on Sunday night, uh, right after it airs, get ready for that. I don't know how I'm going to pull that off for myself. I'm going to clone myself for Sunday night. We'll be ready for that. Uh, also fairway rolling with Joe house and Nathan Hubbard. They're both going to be on this podcast in, in a split second, but you can go there for all their masters bets. We're going to be talking masters with them and our friend Dave Chang. We're all in Augusta and we're talking golf masters, storylines, food, and then after that, Jason Isbell is going to come on for a long time. We did an hour interview last week. We have a new Music Box documentary coming with him on Thursday night. It's fantastic. You'll be able to watch it on HBO. You can be watching on HBO Max as well. It is called Running With Our Eyes Closed. It's really good. Go check it out. So that's it. That's the pod. Let's bring in Pearl Jam. All right, we're at the Masters in Augusta, Georgia. It is a Tuesday late afternoon. The Fairway Rolling Crew is here. Joe House, Nathan Hubbard, we're running it back. We did it last year. We put it on a combined, I would say, 20 pounds. We watched a lot of golf. We figured out some things about the course. More than 20 pounds, uh, Nathan? I, yes. You I, put on 20 pounds yourself? 14. Well, wait, before or after your venture into the woods during your morning run? Yeah, yeah you had to poop during a morning jog. A lot of stuff happened. 
this year we were like, how do we add? Like sometimes you think like TV shows or movies, like like the Fast and Furious franchise. They they do four really successful. Like, you know what? Let's not sit still. Who do we add? They go out, they get The Rock. They get one of the biggest A-list movie stars. We went out and got David Chang, who is has two herniated discs, who fought through an incredible amount of pain just to be here, who might be on more medication than he's letting on. And you're here now. You're back at the Masters. Welcome. I'm so honored to be here with you guys. And I am definitely loopy on medication. You should definitely not drink and take this medicine, but I did. Okay. Well, we'll see how, how it plays out for him over the next couple of days. Um, what are you most excited about? The last time you were at the Masters, a guy by the name of Eldrick Tiger Woods won the Masters. That was the single best Masters to go to since Jack Nicholas in 86. Right, House? Uh, 90, 97 when Tiger won um, came out of nowhere his 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 uh, rookie Masters that was pretty good I that was say. kind of an ass kicking though well from he, a drama standpoint I, I don't he he literally changed the face of golf with well, that true. With that performance I, so I I, I still you, I'm going 19 Tiger over 97 Tiger what nah. do you have Nathan yeah 19 Tiger for me yeah all right so you were there Chang what was that like were you there on that Sunday I was not I left the Friday yeah yeah but that was. It was the best sporting event, one of the best experiences of my life. That's why I'm so lucky to be here. This is the best. Nothing beats the Masters. You have a weird golf background. I do. Um, you played golf competitively, got a little too competitive to the point that you stormed off out of the sport and quit. This is true. And then you came back and hurt your back playing golf. Maybe golf doesn't <laughs> like you. No we, surprise there. We were at a top golf event together in January. And Chang could not walk up the stairs to get to the bay, but he is so fucking competitive about golf that he picked up a driver and slowly but surely that back loosened up. And you stayed there for an hour and a half yes. swinging as hard as you could. Well, that was shingles. And that's when I was also messed up again. <laughs> a different ailment altogether. Are we sure that your wife's not listening to this? Because I, I don't want to talk about it. I told her when we went to Top Golf that oh, no. I was not going to swing any clubs, but now she knows. Well, <laughs> well, now, okay, good. Well, because he was puring it. I mean, <laughs> he got all the way through. It did take a half hour for your body to like, but then you're clearing the left hip beautifully. Your hands are in perfect positions. Like this motherfucker could play the yeah. game. He was hitting 290 yard drives yeah. on the reg. Yeah. Speaking of of Chang's wife, we have to give a shout out to Grace because it's her birthday today and Chang hey! came to the Augusta oh, anyway. Wow. wow. <laughs> she <laughs> couldn't wait till tomorrow morning. No way. No. Happy birthday. She, knows, she so knew much, how much Grace. it meant. This is a great marriage, in my opinion. <laughs> to me, that's like, that's a sign of an awesome marriage. That's a baller And move. if you ask me what I'm most excited about, why I'm here, less about the golf, more about the eating. Yes. Right. So House... I, House is going to lie here, but he's like, no, no. When we we're talking about who we get for a fourth and House is like, let's get Chang. <laughs> Are you telling on me? You're and telling. Nathan's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get Chang. Chang will be a great member of the foursome. And there's this pause in the text thread and you can see House typing. <laughs> and then finally it was like, plus at like one o'clock in the morning, he can make us something. <laughs> I, 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 I'm blushing right now. I do have Catholic guilt. Still, yeah. you know, it's, it's programmed into us, BS. I literally did because the one challenge from last year, the single right. biggest thing was like, it's we're back from the parties. We're starving. We ordered Domino's. We tried to bribe Domino's even. Yeah, we but did. It, we had to wait. It was such a long wait. You don't have to wait. They, you filled two here. voids for us because we, you know, this is old school male bonding. We were together for three straight days. We, we run out of things to talk about for the most part. We needed a fourth. So you fill that void. 
And now we can talk. Now we can split off and I'll talk about each other. And then on top of it, who knows what might happen at one in the morning after a couple cocktails when we have to be in the golf course at like eight in the morning the next day. I've already scoped out the pantry. We have emergency rations set. We're good. Do we? Yeah. Because I'm looking at M&M's. Tostitos and bananas. <laughs> we got some pasta. Oh, oh, oh. one a.m. We pasta. can make that happen. And I think I'm going to break into the locked closet. Yes, that oh, I'm there's sure a locked has closet. other stuff. Yeah. Are you ready to go to the whitest sporting event that God created tomorrow? This is all I'm ever good at is golf and fly fishing. I've been born for this moment. Okay. I was born for this. Yeah. All right. So what are we looking forward to? What What's on P- your list? I have to get a p- pimento cheese sandwich because it's like a buck fifty. You know, people. Can we just have? Yeah, let's, the, let's talk about yeah. the food. Yeah, let's talk about well, the food the, now. The pimento part of it, like a lot of people say, it's too rich. It's too, you can't have a whole sandwich of it, chef. It's it's like a buck fifty. Yeah, beers are like two bucks tops. You can eat extremely well on ten dollars, really all day. Chicken biscuits in the morning, unbelievable, mm, amazing. Yeah. I would skip on the ham and cheese sandwiches, and you're just. You're doing pimento and chicken biscuits basically all day. Not egg salad. Yeah, you know, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm definitely going to have all of it regardless, but I'm focusing on pimento. And what I did last time I was here, I I stacked stacked the sandwiches together. Yeah. So you're making a triple decker. Yes. So this is the hack. This is what I wanted to get into. Yeah, let's talk food hacks. Because we did a little bit uh, when we were here back with your dad. Was that 2018? 2018. I think think it was. My dad, furious that we came back. He didn't even know. My wife told him last week there on the phone. He's like, yeah, and then Bill's going to Matt. He's like, what? Oh, he didn't get the invite to this he, year. Well, no, he thinks Chang got his invite. <laughs> well, so now he's out that's on what Chang. I told my There's dad. like a whole feud with Chang and my dad that Chang didn't know. Oh, man. <laughs> but when we were here in 2018, we bought two of every sandwich as we left the golf course and we brought yeah. it back to the house and we were trying to do various hacks. The hack that I like the best was the chicken sandwich with the pimento cheese. Yes. Because that... I, of course, I, you know, I don't even have to let you... I mean, I know you're going to do that. <laughs> you're a savant <laughs> at well, eating. Clearly, you knew that. I combo. mean, it makes makes perfect sense. The, the barbecue with the egg salad is pretty good. Wonderful. I, but Dave... Yeah. yeah. This, guy, okay. this guy is a genius at eating. Well, th- what I s- figured out today is the peach ice cream is back after yeah, not being here. Oh, information. It's really? Yes. 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 So that's going to be a big, I don't think you want to combo that with the egg salad, but on its, on its own, the peach ice cream sandwich is Can great. I just add egg salad's fucking disgusting? No. Come on, man. You're, that's, you're on, a, that's Bill Simmons' take. It Do really not is. disregard it completely. No, egg salad's take. Come on. Wait, easiest way to go wrong in a variety of ways for diarrhea or whatever else you want to name. <laughs> oh, no. So many ways egg salad can Not at Augusta no. National, bud. They're, okay. they're, they're quality control. Did impeccable. you guys know why everything's packaged green food-wise? Why? Because of the cameras, in case it's on the ground, it matches in with the scenery. That's how detailed everything is here. Can you, you do it. your thing about the precision of Augusta and why you love it as a as a you know yeah, a I, decent chef? So in 2019, we filmed something. I think you can see it online somewhere. But I spent basically like five days here behind the scene, and I was observing. It's very similar to me when you go to one of the very best restaurants in the world. It's almost less about the food, which is clearly why you're there. It's about the precision, the organization, the teamwork, the execution. And I don't say this lightly. I think Augusta National, especially this tournament, is the best organized company thing in the world. It's amazing. Everything is unbelievable here. It really is. Can you guys disagree with that? Well, one thing is they make 
everyone get rid of their phones, which we we talked about last year, but it's just ingenious. Yeah, I mean, they, they have your full attention. That's that's the whole point. The point is to have your eyeballs on what's happening out in front of the golf course. Don't get course. hit by a ball. Experience it, right? You, yeah. you don't need to document it for your for your own friends and family. Take it in, and then if you want to talk to everybody about it, you can do so. I I do think uh you know the the, the scale of it to pick up on on Chang's point. Uh, the only thing I can think of, speaking of the food world, that might rival it is Jose Andres, the World Health Kitchen, you yeah. know, where, where they drop in and make 100,000 meals for people in catastrophic situations. But otherwise, this master's. Nobody has a bad experience here unless yeah. you get kicked out because you were too unruly. Nathan had like 700 sarcastic concert jokes he was going to make, but decided <laughs> not. No. Nothing? I'm, no, I'm just thinking I'm going to wear green because much like the food trash, when I pass out and lie on the ground, <laughs> I'm going to blend in. Well, you need, we have to figure out what color is in the special area that we're going to be in. I mean, are we, are we going to do flex? Should I flex right now? I don't want to flex. We're going to be in a special area. We want to make sure we you're clothing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We wanted, for the listeners, one of the wrinkles we wanted to add was the possibility of maybe going behind the scenes and seeing what the clubhouse is like. Maybe. Which is maybe. I the don't want to spoil nest. it, but it's 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 possible. And there's a pyramid hierarchy of the masters. And the last level is when you're an actual member, you got the jacket on and you get to walk around in this. Clubhouse. You know what your role is as a as a member. Yes. Yeah. And and no, but there's we don't know what it's like in there, is is the question. We don't. None of is us. Is it do. like what heaven is like? Ah. Is it gonna be disappointing? Cracker heaven. Know. I mean, <laughs> but it, there's, I just picture like food and wood and drinks. <laughs> That's, that sounds right. And very few women. Wow. If we Jesus don't make house, it in, I think we bomp, bomp. <laughs> well, wow. I mean, let's, you know, we keep it real on the Bill Simmons podcast. Well, I was just like, what, what had these mystery I don't places. stand with Joe House's comments. <laughs> you, you I want to get some ashes that love me. <laughs> this would be my only invite. I'm not even going to get the invite. Oh, everybody, come on. Oh, we can only let three in. Yeah, House is out now. Three. I'm out. Now, that, there's just some real mystery because I've never seen photos from inside there, really, other than I, when Jim Nance Listen, if we there. get in, we get in. And if we don't, I think the percentage chance of us not getting in is higher than us getting in. Okay. What? What golf subplots are you looking forward to, Chang? Who do you want to see the most in person? Other than the obvious. I just uh, want to see Gray himself. Oh, I, I thought you were going to say Paulina Gretzky. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely want to follow Tiger. And I, I'm hoping that how many Koreans are playing this year? Decent oh, number. Decent yeah, number. Yeah. There's a solid Korean crew. Like yeah. Sung Jae is one of my less than eight. He's one of my eight. best bets. I love him. Cage. What would be the FanDuel odd? That one of the Korean, the, the field of Koreans would. I'm glad that you're three. talking about this because we actually had this conversation oh, offline about creating that. You prop. can bet they can do that for they us. They have a top Asian. You can bet top yes, Asian, you can but bet they top mix Asian. them. No, it's literally a That's group. amazing. Yeah, I already bet uh, Sung JM is, is top Asian. Do they put the Australians in there or not? Yeah, the Australians are in there. I watched Top Asian on Hulu and it wasn't very <laughs> oh, good. Dear. Season two is better than we season are, one. Is this a free flowing conversation that might occasionally touch on mature subjects? Because. You what, can imagine. What? Stop it. What? Uh, what? Do they have other nationality bets? They have the top European. Yes. Yes. Every everyone you, you can think of. Top Canadian. Top European. Chang, you got a bit top. top I mean, VJ was considered Asian, right? He's a Pacific Islander. Yes. Yeah. He won a couple times, right? He did. Yeah. Now he's he's in the teeing off early at Augusta stage of his career. Yeah. They paired like, all the live guys with yeah. the VJs. 
<laughs> oh, that's, is that true? Oh, they've completely buried the live guys. Oh, I have not a chance. single live guy is playing with a big PGA Tour star. They've is that put, true? Yeah, they're sending them out with Sandy Lyle and fucking guys you haven't even heard of. People with colostomy bags <laughs> it, on their it, sides. It, it's unbelievable. I love the choice. Yeah, the live thing. So supposedly there were some protesters today. So I, I don't know in that around the uh, area against the live tour down at Trump's arraignment or no, here no. At the... <laughs> some people protesting that they were even allowed to play. I guess, I oh, guess. that was on. the word in the street. That, there's there's a very nice harmony happening at the moment between live and the PGA tour players. Although there's some lines drawn, like it's clear that Brooks and DJ are still buddies with the Rory's of the world. And it's very clear that Phil is somewhere in between. And on the far, far right is Patrick Reed, who nobody likes. <laughs> but that's, that's you're just describing like the last 15 years on tour anyway. Like, what's the difference? Patrick Reed's the one thing everyone can agree on. Yeah. No matter what side I we're on. I deliberately wore this hat. I'm this terrified he's going to win this week. I bet on him to win he, this week. He finished third last week in this tourney. His game has been good. He went mano a mano with Rory in the desert earlier in the year and just lost. He, he's, he's a legit threat. So does he fit the, he looks pretty good? This is why I want to go the last couple of weeks into the tournament. This is why I want to go because I know that at least 50% of these live guys took the check and got super fat. So I'm, I'm on fat patrol tomorrow. Yeah. So tomorrow, oh, that's you're what on we fat patrol. Yes. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> it's on fat patrol. I love it. I am on that guy. Looks like he's been ruined by the idea of bringing either his family, his wife, his kids, <laughs> his, was- his black sheep brother. I'm on that patrol tomorrow because last year, who was the guy we hit Russell with? Henley. You, you Russell just Henley. couldn't believe I how many times he was picking up. up his kids. His, oh, well, and his wife seemed pissed off. Because well, she's and pregnant. It, and his it, pregnant just, wife it was, was not walking. a fun par three experience for Didn't the Henley family. There. And we came back and we bet the under. So I'm on I'm on that. I'm I'm body language doctor tomorrow. What are you going to be, House? Bloody Mary doctor. No, we're on Xander. Like last year, we saw Xander putting in the twilight. Yeah, so which told us he was struck. We just want to see. Oh, what, that's right. The Twilight Putter. You, so, so you're on Twilight Putter Patrol. We, we will be in a combination of both the driving range and the putting green just to see where guys are, what level of comfort they're showing. Speaking yeah. of body language, because uh, we've already given um, the, good, the good friends at FanDuel a whole suite of potential plays. And God bless them. The Ringer Specials page is beautiful. And they have a whole bunch of combinations. My favorite one already, Jason Day, top 20, plus there will be a hole in one. That's a great bet. That's very fun. Jump in on that. Let's, uh, let's take a break, and then we'll, we'll go through some of those bets and some other things we're going to predict for the week. Golf's first major, a tradition unlike any other. Now you can bet on who you think will win it. Augusta on FanDuel right now. New customers get a no-sweat first bet. Up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets. If first bet doesn't win, listen to Fairway Rowan. Go with their bets. Break down all of them. We're going to break down some of them on this podcast on Tuesday and on, when, and on Wednesday on Fairway Rowan. There's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. So many different betting options. And when you win, you'll get paid instantly. Drive down Magnolia Lane. Take a swing at betting the first major. Visit FanDuel.com slash BS. Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's FanDuel.com slash BS. You must be 21 plus and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here. In Massachusetts, visit GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 1-800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. 
In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. In Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, or Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLE or visit FanDuel.com slash RG. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. In Connecticut, call 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Kansas, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Louisiana, 877-770-STOP. In Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. In Wyoming, 800-522-4700. In West Virginia, visit 1800gambler.net. All right, coming back, let's talk about Masters Storylines 2023. Nate, what's your number one storyline heading into the Masters? Well, I think I'd have more cogent thoughts if I wasn't burping up P.F. Chang's right now. <laughs> but for me, there's really two. <laughs> the first and the one that you're going to hear a lot of the gossiping about is Live versus PGA. We got 18 guys from Live who are here coming back really have not played much golf. And one of the worries that we have about Tiger is when he doesn't play a lot of golf, the putter gets cold, he's not his best. Are these guys going to be able to compete at the highest level possible? That's the first. The second one I'm actually more interested in is that we had these elevated events this winter. The first time ever the PGA Tour spent a lot of money on high-end events where just the best players and all the best players played together. And so what we got for the first part of the season was this filtering mechanism to understand who's playing the best right now. And if we came into the first event in Kapaloo in January thinking there might be 15 to 20 guys who are the man, we come into the Masters thinking there are exactly three. And it's Scotty Scheffler, it's Rory McIlroy, and it's John Rahm. And this week, we're going to find out each of those guys has reason to win this tournament. Scotty's defending. Rory's trying to build Grand Slam. John Rahm has not won a major since the U.S. Open in 2021. So this week for me, the most interesting storyline is which of those guys is going to step up and finally get it done. House, that was going to be my number one storyline. In basketball, at least for the MVP race, we have the big three of Jokic and Embiid and Giannis. Not to mention all the other great players we have, but it's been kind of the seasons belong to those three guys in some way. And in golf, we kind of have a big three all of a sudden. Who is there anybody who's lingering on the outside? Like if those guys are in the dining room table for three, but there's one more place setting. Is it Cam Smith? Who is it? Well, it, it would have been Cam Smith through calendar year 2022 because he won the British Open. He moved over to live. He competed in live events and then he went to Australia and won an event in at the end of November, early December. Now, not a like enormously uh, uh, impressive strength of field in that event, but you know, he won the players championship in March and the open championship, you know, the British open in July and then won another tournament, you know, in, in the late latter part of the year. So Cam Smith would have been there, could be there now. So you rescinded Cam's invite. Well, he, we, we, I haven't watched him play any golf. He missed the cut at, at you know, they, he's only played in two. <laughs> sounded like an invite. Res two recension. events that, that had a cut in, in calendar year 23. Recension? Rescinding? Rescission. Rescission? Rescission is I used to be a writer. My fingers used to work. <laughs> so can't, so who else? If not Cam Smith, then who? Max Homa is, is the homie. The homie the Homa homie. is really like sitting right there. 
uh, in that four four. Ever spot. since he no showed Nathan's house for dinner, he's been on a tear. The, st- st- the statistics say that Max has massively underperformed in majors, but he comes into this playing unequivocally like a top five player in the world. He's got as many wins uh, since the start of the 2021 season as anybody on tour. He is an absolute killer, but he knows that he's got to perform in majors. And the the thing 34 that, to one on FanDuel. The thing FYI. that we fall in love with about Max Home is the fragility of his mind and the way that he's battled through to actually turn it into a strength. That sounds he, like Chang. He's got the LA, <laughs> he's got the LA US Open this year in his hometown. But yeah. in his mind, he knows this is the next hurdle for his career. So it, it's a big, big week for Max. Chang, what's your favorite storyline of the Masters other than you eating 17 pimento sandwiches tomorrow? With chicken somehow in it. With right? chicken, hacks, do the combo. The hack. chicken hack. I don't follow golf nearly as much as these guys. Actually, not even a comparison. You guys know so much. But as a casual fan, from a perspective like that, for me, it's always about Tiger. It has always been about Tiger. Every year is about Tiger, even when he's not playing well. This is, even from his words, probably one of the, the last he does. He said it, he doesn't know how many he has left. If by chance the hope is he plays well, that's all you can ask for, right? For me, if he plays really well, that makes the Masters infinitely better. So you want to root for that. Everything's better when he plays better. If it sucks, if he's not playing well, that's a bummer. That was the most casual fan take, take I think I've heard in a while. I liked it, though, because I agreed with you, because... As another casual majors fan, it always it's he still has it. Like, how's Tiger doing? Is still the question. I should mention his birthday is December thirtieth, nineteen seventy five. He's almost senior tour Tiger. We're not that far away. No, you're right. This is like two more Masters for him after this one before he becomes senior tour Tiger Masters. And this would also be by far the latest anyone. What what was Jack forty six? Forty six when he won in eighty six. When he won the in response putter. Yeah, when he won because he he had a really good back nine, and Greg Norman and Seve Ballesteros played with both hands around their neck. Yeah, Greg Norman multiple holes from the from the middle of the fairway on eighteen threw his nine iron on the ground and just grabbed himself with both hands and choked himself. That's the great thing about golf, though, is the energy of the gallery when they really want a certain event to happen, and some other poor and winning soul is in the way like Greg Norman that year, like all the people. Who was the guy in 2019 who fell apart with Tiger? Coming, um, oh, uh, our Fra- guy, Francisco. Frankie Onions. Yeah. yeah, Frankie Molinari hit the ball in the water on 15. Has he been the same since then? Not really. He he yeah, had an injury and uh, he was away for a little while, but he really has never... Um, he tin cupped it, right? He just hit him. Well, he didn't really, like, you know, he, it, it was only one shot, but yeah. Um, it hit a tree. He wasn't anticipating it. And the did, crowd did yeah. that thing where it's like there yeah. was silence, but also cheering and applauding for the worst moment of the guy's he, golf he, life. Yeah. Here's what you need to know about Frankie Molinari. He's paired with Bryson DeChambeau this week. So th- that's how they're treating him after that day. But Oh, th- that leads us to another great master storyline. Nathan, you're obsessed with this. The fuck you pairings <laughs> in round one. <laughs> Just, There's some great, great FUs from uh, Augusta because of this whole live tour thing. So give us some of your favorites. Not a single live guy other than Kim, Cam Smith is paired with a top 20 player. <laughs> Kevin Na is first off with Mike fucking Weir that, at 8 a.m. That's brutal. We got Taylor Gooch and Jason Kokrak with Sandy Lyle. Not a single live player is in the featured groups. So you're not going to see a lot of them. And that is part of the story this week. I realized watching DJ's interview, 
I was like, man, I haven't seen DJ in like a year. Look at his beard. He's got a little more gray. Like a lot of these guys, we just have not. So the lift guys almost look like all of us during the pandemic. (laughs) It's like (laughs) Chang's wearing jogging pants for nine straight months. That's basically DJ. Exactly. I think, look, the big story on Tiger for me is this weather forecast. That's right. That's the storyline. We're going to get to Friday night okay, I think, without too much of a Seems delay. Seems like it. But it looks like with a high of 53 and a low of 48 on moving day and a 90% chance of rain. That's Friday. That's Saturday. Saturday. Oh, Saturday. Yeah, a man... I thought it was going to rain on Friday, well, There's going to be probably some rain on Friday, too. It just looks like it's not quite... It's going to come later in the day and we might get a bunch of golf in. Saturday, it's going to be really, really tough out there. And with a guy who is made of bolts and fragments of bone mm. below the waist, it's... You know, listen, we, we stood on the seventh green last year here and we watched Tiger lumber his way around. I watched him in LA at Riv this this winter and watched him really struggle through Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. It's just putting four rounds together and asking him to do that in that kind of weather is is a big reach. Well, I'm rooting for it. It is un-American to bet against Tiger Woods, but this is going to be a tough go for him. How fucking awesome would it be if he was like in the like the last group on Sunday? Oh right? my God. It'd be amazing. You can dream. Yeah. I think you're going to live vicariously through him because he'll be in just as much pain as you, Chang, <laughs> with your two herniated exactly. discs. Who's going to get around it's slower? Like, how can Chang get up the two number guys, seven and Tiger? The two guys limping around the golf course, Tiger Woods and Dave Chang. What do we have for favorite bets, fellas, for the listeners, for the casuals? Well, our, you had our, for your three for the for from Fairway Rolling for your winner's circle. Our guy Johnny Rahm, plus 950. Um, you had he's just win. Justin Thomas is Justin in there. Thomas is that little action on him now twenty one oh, to one okay and then the homie is at uh, thirty four to one yeah so when with the winner circle we took one that that's right there out of the the pure chalk play that's Rom of the three guys we prefer Rom the most and then we were looking for for guys so it's like major favorite yeah kind of semi favorite and then long shot yeah and the semi favorite concept is like you know under other circumstances getting those guys in the 20 to one kind of range is is pretty good value yeah um and that's why especially justin thomas when we we offered him up at 22 some there has been some action on him and homa his price is is a reflection of his lack of success in in majors you have to tell yourself that he is a different dude now um and i think it's he's made a pretty compelling case that he's a different dude now there's a couple of ringer specials, including I like those. Any you love those? Any two will finish in the top twenties. Oh, I do. Like there, you could have Spieth and Morikawa and Woods, basically even minus one twenty five. There's a Tiger Woods to make the cut and Jordan Spieth to finish top twenty. That's almost two to one. I love that one. I love that bet. Um, we both love it. You could have Tiger to make the cut and Jason Day to finish top twenty. Absolutely adore that bet as well. It feels like you're sniffing around Jason Day a tiny bit. Have been, have been. There's been some, yeah, kind of holding your nose up anytime well, his name comes we, up. We had our guy uh, Justin Ray, um, who is a data analytics and, uh, expert guru in, in golf. Yeah, he was on the Fairway Rolling broadcast yesterday, and he reminded us that since the beginning of calendar year 2023. The number two gol- golfer in the, by this one metric strokes gained total is Jason Day. He's just been quietly collecting top tens in nearly every tournament that mm. he's played in, and he's played the Masters, you know, fourteen times or whatever the number is, 
and he's had a lot of success. So we, we, we like where he is currently and we like his history. Chang, you have a gambling problem. Yes, I do. Um, Tiger specials on FanDuel include a bogey-free round in the tournament, plus 380. Not possible. Doesn't seem possible. Will make birdie or better on his first hole of the tournament's five to one. Top 10 finish is five to one. To lead after round two is 41 to one. That seems low. I, Come yeah. on. He's not doing that. Physically, I he doesn't feel like it. Point. Is there a bet for any of the repeat, like past winners that are on the senior tour, like Freddie Couples and Bernard Langer, who actually like makes the cut? Oh, like the old, you old can tired champs? You yeah, can absolutely. Bet, you can bet make miss the cut for just yeah, about do. everybody. Oh, yeah. But name, I don't know if name like, somebody it, who's going to do, do who, who of the point. old timers is going to play the best. I mean, how well, would you bet against Longer? They dicked Mito Pereira by putting him with Longer. So I bet I, head to head, I think I take Longer over Mito. Sure, Mito sure. Yeah, I mean, well, but, can we talk about uh, Beefy Bryson at minus 158 to make the cut? Oh, he's missing the cut. He's okay. definitely missing the cut. That's one of my favorite bets on the board. Bryson so you like DJ, miss the cut for him? No chance he's making the cut. That's it's absurd. Those he, why do you why are you so convinced on that one? Because he hasn't played legitimate competitive golf in a long time, and he's plus one twenty four to miss the cut in mortgage payment. Book it. You like Billy Horschel too, right? A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, he's like minus one thirty five to make it. Yeah, I, I mean, he, he that makes sense that he would be sort of right on the cut All right, line. listen, we're going to, tomorrow night on Fairway Roll, and after we walk the course, I'm I'm inviting myself to come on with you guys, but we're going to do, I'll just I'll just nod, and I'll I'll have last year, who was the one who called out Henley? Yeah, you did. The body language guys here. What was your role going to be, Chang? Tomorrow? Just uh, eating eating person. Okay, great. <laughs> But we're gonna uh, we're gonna go through what we learned on the course as we walked around for the par three. Um, let's audible to something in Chang's wheelhouse. Chang very confident today that Bojangles is better than Chick Fil A. It's different. It's not even really a fair competition. I don't think. What would you rather eat more? Bojangles. It's not yeah, even close. Because I love fried chicken, though. I've been eating fried chicken my whole life. But Bojangles has everything that Chick Fil A has as well. The breakfast at, at Bojangles is fantastic, like just sublime. So I asked I asked Chang to compare Bojangles to an NBA player. Do you know what player he picked? Oh. Shea Gilgis Alexander. Oh, a current NBA player. Yeah, I like this. Oh wow, like underrated, combo, combo really guard. good. The stats are not way everyone better knows. Than you think. Yeah, yeah. First team All NBA for me. What do you have for Chick Fil A as a as an NBA comparison, Chang? Oh man, Carl Malone. Wow, Carl Malone. <laughs> I don't know. No, I can't root for. Chick it's a role Fly. player. It's a he's yeah. a role player. It's no, uh, it's, it's like a, he's like a. Com- no, it's got to be a player that does load management because they never yeah. open Sunday. Exactly. Kawhi. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> they've won a title. And now they're not available some days. That's a good one. How about an upburger? I gotta say, we talked about this in the car ride over. Now that I live in Southern California, I think I've eaten that In and Out. Maybe less than three times in three years. I never go to in But you like Five Guys better, don't you? I don't like that either. Okay. I, I'm going to say something extremely controversial. I, can't to food I know what this is and I can't wait. And it's going to make people fucking mad. And I know chefs that go on their high horse and talk poorly about it. But we visited it because my son has been introduced to it and he loves it. And I've tried to eat it. Not tried. I've been enjoying eating it. <laughs> or McDonald's hamburgers. Yeah, sure. Wow. They're sure. so good. Yeah, yeah. The cheeseburger yeah. is just so good. Yeah. yeah. It's delicious. That to me is my favorite burger right now. I have in and out burger as Russell Westbrook. Going to the Hall of Fame, won an MVP, 
has a lot of defenders and some detractors, and I'm not sure your team's better if he's involved. But it, you can't bring and in the and fries are like his jump shot. It doesn't. It doesn't travel well. You got to eat it. Doesn't there, travel well or in the car right after you get right. to the drive-through. Nathan, no thoughts on this. Are you in an out guy? I, I'm a five guys guy because Mark Mosley was the kicker. I love five guys. Of yeah. our team in DC. Yeah. Mark so. Mosley's started five guys. He was involved, I think. Something and yeah. and the very first one was like a Bethany Beach. Yeah, exactly. And team. I like the jalapeno. I like the fresh jalapenos on the burger. The kinds of too many options. It's in the foil. Yeah. So the cons of the, the five guys is it takes a while after you order it, but that's also why it's really good because yeah. they actually make it. The hot dog is also a secret weapon. Mark Mosley, the only kicker that was an NFL MVP. MVP yeah. in the history of the league. It will always stand, be that way. Where do you stand on Astro Burger, Chang? Never had it. I never had it in LA. Never. Is it good? It's it's fantastic. You have a lot of controversial burger topics. No, Astro Burger is excellent. Um, the one I've never really messed with is Sonic. Yeah, because there's not really a ton of them around, but I've had it a couple times. And I thought, oh, interesting, but it's not really a California thing as much. I yeah, I, uh, I don't. What's your favorite right now, House? Shake Shack. Still Shake, Shake Shack. Shack. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I would have. Yeah. That would have yeah. been my choice. What's for... your Shake Shack order? Um, I get three sandwiches. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love three it. different sandwiches. Yeah, because well, the Smoke Shack has some uh, some crushed um, chili pepper. cherry pepper. Yeah. And and uh, just a bacon cheeseburger is always spectacular. And then, I out of respect, out of respect for the craft, I will get a hamburger, a Shake Shack hamburger that just has lettuce, tomato, and onion, and nothing else on it. That, what's, that's my respect. What's your and, favorite? And the chef comes out of the back and thanks you for the respect. I, no, no it, it, it's just you know, it's it's food karma. What's your favorite? What's your number one, Nathan? I, I'm I'm not really Shake Shack. I I go out of my way to find five guys and get three little cheeseburgers with lettuce, tomato, fresh jalapenos every time. It's great. I was telling Chang, there's this place that opened in LA called Irv's Burgers that has to be from somewhere else, and they figured out what I think is the hardest plane to land for a burger place, especially like a volume burger place, where the the cheeseburger where the cheese kind of melts into the bread and the, in the burger, almost like they did it intentionally, but it's like a natural act. And that's my favorite thing about a cheeseburger. When the cheese gets, it's, it's like the right level of gooey and you pick, you pick the bread up off the cheeseburger. And there's like that, almost like that saliva string that people get when they're, <laughs> that's not the visual after they throw up <laughs> sports you know, writer, not a food writer. Yeah. Slap strings. <laughs> yeah. It gets that cheese string of, of, okay. You know what I'm talking about? Good Lord. Yeah, they, 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 so good. They, Sorry. They, I made it gross. They, I was did. trying to be vivid. That, that gooey strand, that but it I was wouldn't... really good. And it, yeah. and, and nice, soft, soft bun. And just kind of that melts in your mouth and the, and the pickles and all that. Like, it made me think like, oh, this is why I love cheeseburgers. I feel like I'd had too many B-plus cheeseburgers. Cheeseburgers have become like prestige t TV where there's just a lot of B-pluses. And when you have the A, you're like, whoa. Speaking of throwing up, what's the over-under on how many oysters we're going to eat as a group tomorrow? Oh, my God. I don't know if I do oysters. I don't think, uh, for me, I can't do more than a dozen. You? I'm going to find out. <laughs> Dozen is like plenty. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's fine. I don't Seems know. like you're going to go 24, 36. It, 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 what happens is Bill really loves this oyster's place. 
And yeah. so he's going to over-rotate on us going to this oyster's place. And there just aren't... that. There's a shrimp po' boy there. What else do we have, House? They, they, there, you can get shrimp. They love the shrimp po' Like boys. regular shrimp. But I think there is going to be an oyster contest. I got a hot take that's going to get me in a lot of trouble in New Orleans. And I've been trying to keep it in the closet oh, for a while. Are you going to unveil this one? Here we yeah. go. Oh, this is great. I so, can't believe you're doing this. <laughs> Yes. I think po' boys are one of the most overrated sandwiches out there. And I'm going to get so much fucking heat. But I love New Orleans. I just, they'll say you haven't been to the right one. But I think that the ratio of filling to bread is always off. It needs more fried shrimp and fried clams or oysters, mm -hmm. all that stuff. It's just never enough. But gumbo, underrated. Jambalaya is underrated. And jambalaya, but gumbo. Turkey necks, underrated. If you go to a lot of the uh, the... The, the crawfish places they have yeah. turkey necks oh delicious i haven't done that nobody's yeah. taken yeah, me yeah. to unauthentic what's what's your number one 2023 food trend right now just out of curiosity Jeez. what's what are people making that has you super excited i don't know it's a good question nothing, i mean there's most, no new innovations no nothing new we're going back towards we talk about this uh, we talk about this a lot on my podcast that everything's going back to sort of the mid-1990s experiential food's good not amazing good service people are having a good time i think after the you know the past three years that's what people want it's more of a let's have a, a fun time out and it's a real shift away from where it was only about the food i've noticed i appreciate going to dinner with friends or family a lot more than i used to I always have a really good time, even when it's just like, like the other day, my wife and my son and I went to, went to dinner at this steakhouse place and we just had a really good time. It was just nice to, you know, it feels like the pandemic is finally like legitimately behind us now. Do you think you know? Scotty Scheffler feels tonight hosting the champions dinner with Patrick Reed <laughs> in the room and the other list? The same guys? way? Do you think he feels Who happy? has to sit next to Patrick Reed at that? This could be the one thing that gets our guy Tiger going. If he comes out of there pissed off because... He's not going to be pissed dumb, off. I think he could be. We had this debate yesterday. I mean, look, first of all, Scotty's serving slider, cheeseburger sliders to start. It's, it's a good, yeah, good choice. Which Delicious. is good. He's got, a, he's got a very Texas sort of middle of the road. What? Yeah, can we hear that? Is the whole menu available? What oh, else yeah, is yeah, he yeah. serving? It's published weeks ago. He's got firecracker shrimp. Texas ribeye. He's, got, he's serving a Texas ribeye and those cheeseburger sliders. Yeah. There's a fish option because there's always got to be a fish option. It's like sea bass something, you know. I don't know. Oh, I see it right That's here. That's so not yeah, yeah. See, yeah, the sh chef has it. Chang, why didn't you? This is sort of, honestly, Scheffler, very boring. It is. We've been calling it the Apple For a person menu. that has an interesting swing, this is a very boring yeah, menu. It's, 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 it's chilly straight <laughs> down. I mean, there. yeah, you're at Ruby Tuesdays. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is. That's I mean, right. for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Cheeseburger sliders, firecracker shrimp, tortilla soup. That's a first. It's got to be a first. Tortillas. And Tiger Woods wrestling with Patrick Reed. Ribeye steak or black and red fish. Black and red fish. And warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. Ruby Tuesdays. All right. This is a good ender for us, Chang. So Tiger wins 2023 Masters. I'll cry. He calls you yeah. and he says, I heard you on the podcast with Bill. That really pushed me over the top. That's why I won. I want you to play in the Masters dinner for me next year. So let's do it. What are we doing? So we got to go to Vegas first. <laughs> <laughs> what's it? What's the dinner? A so, bazooki for dessert? <laughs> yeah. What's the appetizer? What are you doing? Oh, man. Oh, I love... I mean... Come on, Chang. You should be able to do this. You're... I should. One of the best in your boat. field. You should be able to rattle this off. I'm going to do 
caviar and fried chicken skins. Yes. Yes. Not the chicken, just I'm going to make sure that we get like, maybe we just get Bojangles fried chicken. Yes. Just, just rip off the skin and make little boats that will hold the caviar. That'll be the canapé. So that's your appetizer. Well, just, that's oh, one of them. Yeah, that's You're one allowed of them. to have mul- mul- multiples. Yeah. What else are we doing? Hmm. Fried mozzarella sticks? You could. You could do that too. My son just for always both. orders those and they're always really good. It's like, oh, the worst thing you put you know in your what? body. Because I love them and they're probably honestly the best American invention for a canopy ever is pigs in a blanket. Everybody yes. has been Oh my well, God. Everybody loves it. For Dustin Johnson has already done a version, so you would just have to put your own spin on it. Dustin Johnson served. I'm not worried about a spin, but it would okay. be some version of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, can I interject really quick? Because I tell a story I've already told. That was that was David Stern's favorite party appetizer, and it was at every NBA event. And one time they didn't have pigs in a blanket, and he chewed the guy out who organized the, <laughs> the event. That there was no pigs in the blanket because it was like, this is my thing. The fucking pigs in the blanket. I heard that story. I believe it. And I love David Stern for it. You know what I might do? Just thinking what, by about, the way, what's your mustard with the pigs in a blanket? Yeah, what's the dipping sauce? It's a spicy mustard. And I think like spicy with the little, little, grains little, in bit, it? little bit controversial, maybe even a ranch in there ranch. too. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. Love ranch, ranch is basically a vehicle for MSG. That's why everyone fucking loves it. Mm-hmm. It's delicious. Yeah. All right. So what do you got for the entree? Ah, oh, man. You see, you got to make everyone happy. I think what I might do is bring a lot of my friends in there too. So, because uh, everyone's all fucking so incestuous. You guys can't yeah. do anything without yeah. each other. We're like, like oh, the modern athlete. We're friends with fucking everybody. Let's get us a regular hand pizza. I'd, I'd ask, uh, I'd ask, uh, I'd get some brisket from yeah, yeah. Texas, of course. from one of the top barbecue shows everyone's gonna love that notice yeah. how political he was there he didn't say which place. which one I about say, you know not, one of the I would, awesome I places ready to there. name names yeah but no, here's what he I'm doesn't... Not gonna do. there's no no vegetarian no fish option <laughs> no fish they have right. to have a fish option yeah. Yeah. the old guys yeah. i think yeah. no sure. your fish option was the caviar with the chicken you're like there's your yeah. fucking fish you can do a sushi it's my dinner somebody could i'm gonna say that somebody could eat somewhere else i'm gonna you know what those that can't eat the brisket Get a pimento cheese sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a second. Why wouldn't you do take the brisket and do brisket and pimentos? Yeah, sandwiches? we might do a large format where like people a grilled are cheese. That's large good. format. That's It'll wonderful. make Nathan happy because he really likes the barbecue and pimento cheese. Yes, Nathan's like drools coming out of his mouth. He just gained three pounds. I'm gonna throw this. up three times tomorrow. This is actually a really difficult menu. I'm gonna have to think about this tonight. I'm gonna plan it out. And it's gonna be proper. I promise you. I love this. We're, yeah, we have to come back tomorrow. For the dessert, you know, Chang has this thing at, at Hot Donuts. Major Domo, donuts. This, yeah. this yeah. donut thing he does. Do you, are you aware of this house? No. He goes. I've never had it. <laughs> I, I'll tell you the story how it happened. I went to um, Paul Tudor Jones, big investor. I went, spent a day with him. I walked into his house and one of my, a guy I knew was actually working in the kitchen. And then we had a beautiful dinner and then dessert comes out. And I'm like, wow, this is the most delicious thing I've ever had. I can't, what, did, what is this? Because it, it, I didn't know it was a donut because it had ice cream in the center and it was melting down. And I go back in the kitchen and I'm like, hey, chef, like, you got to tell me because this is one of the best desserts I've ever had. He brings me around the corner. He's like, you see these stack of donuts? They got to be at least two days old. And they're Dunkin', Dunkin Donuts or Krispy Kreme. And I was like, wow. 
Because if you pan fry a glazed donut, oh. it gets like melts a little bit and gets caramelized and almost comes toffee-like. And then if you put ice cream in the center, it melts and becomes like anglaise, which is basically what ice cream is before you freeze it. It's the best dessert I've ever had. But you also have to wait two days with the donut. Why that's is easy, that? That's easy. That's easy. I, I'm not sure why. I'm just following the recipe. It, it kind of makes, there's an intuitive uh, aspect to that, like letting it, because yeah, whatever. You it crunchy. You yeah, want it like it, it a little hardens bit up a tiny bit. And... You're not going to believe it, but it's fucking delicious. House. It's so You've good. had it? Oh, yeah. Oh, I oh, fucking had it. Because you're doing it. We did it for the Spotify Is it dinner. on the menu? Not always. Yeah. It's a special thing. It takes a lot of time, but we've added a little bit of a twist. We turn it into more of a Bananas Foster kind of thing. Uh, One of the great so desserts. Underrated. Bananas, New Orleans. See, I love you, yeah. New Orleans. Bananas Blaming. Foster, a so top three dessert for me. Yeah. Also, one of the great names for any food item ever, because it sounds like a 1940s boxer. <laughs> it's like Bananas Foster. He fought Joe Lewis. Got knocked out in six. I got one idea for a bet that we're never going to find the answer to. Okay. But for people that don't know, when you're an attendee watching this event, you have to be on certain behavior. You can't run. You can't yeah. shout. It's can't like move. the opposite of the waste management. Everything is the opposite. If you're on your cell phone, if you are not behaving correctly, you are banned. You're yeah, never you don't have back. a cell phone. Yeah, you're out. Or some people sneak it in because I've been told that, right? Oh. How many people get kicked out tomorrow? Or through the entire week? There's got to be... There's got to be a real number that will never be. Yeah, because they're super discreet. Yeah, that's not the, the 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 news item that they're inclined to share. Like this is a place where, if there's a line, you know, they they try and control the lines for the food because they don't want there to be the appearance of people waiting. You and know, people it, know because there's such history here. They know they got to behave well. Yeah, but this is the real caveat. The drinks here are super super cheap. Yes, for twenty bucks you can have basically twenty beers. So that is what House makes, knows for a fact. <laughs> that, that's what makes the behavior, I think, change a little bit. Some number get kicked out. There's no two is ways it, about it. 100 percent. I think, I think it's got to be around maybe 15 to 20. Is that too a much? Day too or high? the whole, whole tournament? Oh, I think more, at least 50. We got to find out. There's it's, definitely a number. It feels like the oh, I would set the over under at 40 because I would say 10 a day. All right. So here's our schedule tomorrow. Quick fairway rolling. You're going to do your report from the course. Then Thursday night, we're going to have our big recap of day one, uh, master stories. Chang's going to unveil his official master's dinner for yes. Tiger Woods or whoever ends up winning. Next year, I'm making the statement right now. I'm going to campaign to have my menu be the menu for 2024. And if that doesn't for happen. The 2024 champ. Yeah. Doesn't matter. They better fucking cook my menu. What you mean the Patrick champion Reed? that wins this year serving the I'm dinner? I'm letting them know. I've already made the menu for the 2024 champion. We already, I mean, there's a natural. So you tell me who's going to win it. And so I'll just if say, if the homie wins, wins it's, we, we could, could talk the homie into homie, it, right? Homie, homie, homie homo would do it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. yeah. LA we love, have to get a yeah. John Rom. We have to, we have to get a John Rom. That would be the one. He's because he's our favorite. Is, how is Morikawa playing? Because I know him sort of. <sighs> um, it's a roller coaster. Can't he, cut out Morikawa. Ever. And well, he, listen, he's one of those guys. I feel like in the 20s, yeah. wins, I have ones. a legitimate shot of being able to determine them. No doubt. I'll yeah. root for it. Now I'm going to bet uh, on Morikawa wins because I want thing. the card. I, yeah. I want the card. I mean, good card. Uh, let's be honest. This is like, you know, everything this. everywhere all at once wins everything. <laughs> Steve, our buddy Steve has beef coming out, which is going to be the biggest Netflix show of the year. Yes. Morikawa winning the Masters. I don't know. 
Okay. It, it feels like a narrative is starting to happen here. I'm, re- I'm going to work on this menu. nodding intently. Now I'm, now I'm really pumped up about this menu. If I can make this happen, that's a real... Do you know, you know about this show, Beef? No. I don't know anything about it. It's coming out on Netflix when? It's very, very good. It's coming out, I think, the first week of April. It's going to be a thing. It's going to be a big, big thing. And our thing. friend show is in it. Who's beefing? As an actor. It's a, it's a story about road rage. Oh. Really. Okay. And how it entangles the lives of everyone around the oh. two characters that are in it. Yeah. Is it a series? Ten episodes. Oh, uh, oh my gosh! Okay, yeah. it's I was hoping it was Ali about Wong's meat. Ali in it, but it's going to. In my opinion, it's and going. My guess is going to be huge. And our good friend David Cho, <laughs> our friend Cho is in it. Is it? He, he's I like he legitimately be, acting in it. Legitimately, I think he could be nominated for a Golden Globe. <laughs> Best supporting actor for a dramatic series is legitimately on the table. What's surprising about that? Nothing. He's, he's <laughs> an artist who doesn't act. He's a character, though. He's yeah, he's he a is. living oh, character. Yeah, there's a real chance that he could trying to trying yeah. to get him and Steve on the pod for we're gonna make that happen in the next couple of weeks. All right, we will uh, we will report back tomorrow on Fairway Row and stay tuned for that. Coming up, a long conversation with our guy uh, Jason Isbell because we have the new documentary coming on Thursday. Can't wait for you to see it. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. Have you ever been in an accident? and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is gonna be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. All right, we're taping this. It is a week before our latest Music Box installment, Running With Our Eyes Closed, premieres on April 7th on HBO. It stars this guy, Jason Isbell, who, uh, who, We've kind of been circling each other for a while. Grantland wrote a piece about you. I'm going to say it was 2014 range, right as you were having that uh, that first renaissance you had. And you had a very nice tweet after they shut down Grantland, which I really appreciated. But mm. um, I got to say, until we started um, really closing in on this documentary and seeing how the director, Sam Jones, intertwined like your life, your career, your ups and downs with the actual music, I just thought it was incredible. What was it like to watch a documentary about you using your music to tell your story? I, I mean, it's such a hard thing to pull off. Just what was the experience like the first time you saw a cut? Um, you know, it was it was strange because the first time I watched it a couple of years ago, um, uh, you know, it was close to what it wound up being, but it was, you know, to basically approve it. But also it's like you have to walk this fine line because, um, approval in this situation sort of means a different thing. It's like, can I tolerate this being on screen? You know, because it's somebody else's work. It's really Sam's Sam's work. So if it if it was if I was watching it and I had made it, it would be a very different experience. But I had to like lower, you know, my expectations of my own image enough to say, all right, does this serve the purpose that it is intended to serve? And is it any good? And it is, I think, you know, I, it's hard to somewhere about about three albums ago, 
I got to this point with music where I could listen to a record as though I had not been involved in making it. I don't know what happened. I don't know what switch flipped, but I can ride around in my car and listen to a record and forget uh, for a minute that I made the record and thereby decide if it's any good or not. Mm. But I can't do that. I can't do that with this. This is still like full on. I am looking at myself and my wife and my kid and my life. And um, so it was it was tough. You know, it was it was a challenge for me to figure out, Okay, am I okay with this? And then does that matter? You know, does it matter if I'm okay with it or not? Because if I if I take out all the stuff that doesn't make me look cool, uh, it's not going to be much of a documentary. Yeah. And that was one of the reasons we got involved with this late. It was already there was a cut that was you know, fairly close to what ends up being at, at HBO. And um, I'm really dubious of these documentaries that are, you know, where the musician is really involved or the musician mm-hmm. has some sort of final say. And we've steered away from that with the series. And in this case, you had a say, but you also really wanted it to be authentic and you didn't use your say, which was right. what was appealing to me, where you were like, you know what? This is a warts and all doc. Yeah. Um, and I may, I'm, I may not I'm have had a it. say. Yeah. I may, you know, it was kind of like, I felt like, well, I, I have some sort of veto power, uh, but uh, at the end of the day, I didn't change anything. So I don't know if I ever had that veto power or not. I mean, you don't, you know, until you use veto power, you don't have veto power. <laughs> right, and, right. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't exist. So, you know, but I've the reason this of- is important though, is like, like, I feel like with music documentaries and, Documentaries in general are at a really weird time. I've been involved in a bunch of them. And it's become because the whole genre has taken off that a lot of the ones that people want to make, whether they're about athletes, musicians, um, celebrities, whatever, the celebrities know now that there's a real IP that that it's actually valuable. So if they're yeah. going to be involved, they want say over it. I would feel the same way if somebody was making a documentary about me. What, what was so cool about you with this was you were you're an open book. And you were willing to be an open book for the doc. And that was why we love this when we saw the the initial cut we did. We was like, nobody's doing this anymore. Nobody's like, here yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the qu- the question for me is what do you what do you want to make? You know? And um I'm not you know, if there's any sort of concept to my career in general, it's the idea of undoing uh the programming about uh musical creative people that we've had for the last 40 or 50 years where, you know, it's like if you're a musician, you're a recording artist, you want to be as famous as possible. You want to sell as many records as possible. You make your, your, your work and your art with a target, you know, you point it at a certain group of people and you try to hit those people. And and you're creating a brand at the same time. And you're always thinking about that brand as you're doing the art. And I want to undo all that, you know, for me, what really, moves me is somebody who just keeps trying to find the truth over and over and over. And, and, you know, the truth is not promotional. It's just the truth, you know? And, uh, and so I saw this and it felt true to me. And, and that's why I thought it was a good documentary. It's as simple as that. You know, most music documentaries are very boring to me, very boring. And I've, I've watched a ton of them. I've been involved with a lot of them. And, uh, you know, most of the time it's like, yeah, the, the fans of this artist are going to appreciate this. It might pick up some new fans and that's about all it's going to do. And and I think that we have the ability to do more. One of the things, this documentary I would, I would describe as raw. 
um, mm-hmm. which is also your music. You know, you yes. some of the songs you have written and performed over the years, which are autobiographical, is selling it short. Um, you just put it out there. So it, to me, it makes sense that you would make a documentary that was also raw because you're already you've been doing that with your music. You know, really since the late two thousands. Um, yeah. There's a vulnerability you have that you're not afraid to share, which I think it's weird. There's a lot of the great musicians have this, right? But then as you get older and now you have something to protect, that Uh becomes a weird place for a musician, right? Now I'm famous. Now I'm a celebrity. Now I have money. Now I have a family. And then that's when things kind of go sideways and they start singing about stuff that's not authentic to them or writing songs about things where they're, they're writing about other people or they, and they kind of lose that self-authenticity, but you haven't lost any of it. So why? I, I, if I have avoided that, it's because of the awareness of it. You know, when, when I was a kid, um, listening to a lot of my favorite songwriters for, for, a for a, for a big percentage of them, there was this period of time where they made really amazing music and then everybody found out about them. And then all of a sudden their music wasn't so amazing anymore. I saw that happen so much and it was very frustrating to me when I was first starting to, you know, fall in love with different songwriters and and uh try to go back cuz I was I was just naturally I would go back and study, you know, like mm. like my favorite when I was a kid I loved Eric Clapton, he was my favorite guitar player and uh he led me, you know, his his music led me back to to the blues um uh but you know, I can still tell he was born March 30th, 1945. His mom's name was Patricia Clapp. His dad was a Canadian Royal Air Force. Like, I can still tell you everything about, you know, all Eddie Van Halen's uh, uh, son's birthday is March the 16th. You know, like I remember all because I just studied so hard on all of these people. And I tried to figure out why do they all of a sudden start writing vaguely and start writing about, uh, uh, things that don't really, that, that they don't have a firsthand perspective on, you know? And uh, I didn't understand exactly what was doing it at that point in time. But as I got older, I saw, okay, they're writing a lifestyle or they're, they're writing to protect and to conserve rather than to expand. Um, and, you know, so that I just thought, let's, let's not do that. Let's just write to expand our, our, our connection. Well, you know, it's interesting as you're talking about this, I was thinking Springsteen's one of my all-time faves. Yeah. And he does, so he has Born in the USA that comes out and it becomes an absolute phenomenon during a mid-80s music era where we have Thriller and we have Madonna and Cyndi mm-hmm. Lauper and Huey Lewis and News. Like there's just Lionel Richie. There's just all these mega, mega, mega stars. And he was kind of an improbable choice to be in that, on that, stratosphere, but that, but that's what happened. Right. And then he didn't mm-hmm. make an album for a couple of years and then he makes Tunnel of Love, which was the most fascinating album, in my opinion, that he's ever made because it's so personal and it's about like him falling in love with Julian Phillips and then breaking up and then him, him reconciling it. And it wasn't the album people were expecting to make after Born in the USA. Right. It's like, oh, what's uh-huh. next with this huge thing? And it's like, now here's actually this fucked up album about this relationship I had with a celebrity that didn't work out the way I thought. I love that he did that. And I felt like he stayed authentic to that. Oh yeah. The whole way, even though now he's in his seventies, he's still selling out, but he never lost that authenticity, which is why I think people love him so much. 
Right. And he made intentional choices along the way. You know, Nebraska was very clearly an intentional choice to say, here's what I am. I'm a songwriter with a guitar, you know, and I'm writing about a certain type of American experience. And then, you know, with Tom Jode, he went back to that. And he every every so often he would say, this is where I came from. I'm still there. Some part of me is still there. And, you you know, if you're going to play bigger shit, like you have to expand, you know, you have to get a a bunch of trucks and and more people on the crew. You can't keep playing bars forever. If you're selling millions of records, you can't play in a tavern. You know, you have to, everything yeah. has to get bigger to serve the work and to serve the audience. But the the one thing that does not have to get bigger is that song. You know, the, the song and the story can stay because it was already huge. You know, if you were writing it right, when you were 19 or 20, it was already opening itself up enough to where it could fill any space in any room, you know, and you don't have to make the song broad and vague. You just have to make the lights bigger and the, and the, and the, you know, the, the, the PA bigger and, and that you can do one and hold on to the other and keep the other kind of safe and, and, and fragile. What's the perfect venue for you? Cause I saw you last week, you played seven songs after, after the, the premiere um and we probably had 200 people there and it was amazing mm-hmm. um mm. and it was really cool and it's just like you i don't know how many how often you only play for 200 people but i'm gonna say it's not often but it was like you were completely overqualified to be playing for us obviously <laughs> um but what's for you like for a connection with the audience what do you think the right number is because i've heard different answers for this it depends, you know, because like I've seen, I, I was uh, before the lockdown, I was uh, right actually during the lockdown, I was doing the Zoom with uh, Lyle Lovett, you know, and he was doing yeah. like he, he would he would do a show where you would you would zoom in. And, and we were talking about um, I asked him when we were like off camera about uh, Houston, you know, back in the 70s and about when uh, uh the first time after Towns had written Poncho and Lefty, what that what was that like in your community, in your little friend circle? You know, and he just walked into a bar and heard one of their friends singing it, you know, in front of 50 or 60 people. And he said it was a sort of line of demarcation, like everything was different after that song had happened. Mm. Um Sometimes that's what works best. Sometimes it's just a little room with a small group of people. And I love it. But if if you know, there's also horsepower and you can't you can't really argue against a band and a and a big room. Uh I love big theaters, you know. That's that's kind of my favorite thing. It's like uh uh the Fox in Atlanta. Um rooms where it's like standing room on the floor and then seated behind it. I love that because then everybody who wants to get up and you know raise hell and have a good time can get on the floor and everybody who needs to sit down can sit down and you know, those theaters sound great. I love the rhyming. Um, you know, it's got to the point where we have to play uh, a couple of weeks there. You know, we mm. do that every October. And then, I mean, Red Rocks is great. The Greek is great. Um, uh, uh, Wolf Trap is great. But also the Bluebird Cafe, I mean, here in Nashville, because it's like the place only holds maybe 100 people and they don't let you talk, you know, while the while the singers are singing you can't you can't make any noise and it's just perfect it's if you have a a new song and you want people to hear the song uh, and that's all then then that's the best room for it what's the biggest room you've played you Uh, played football football stadium not as like a headliner we've played like a couple baseball stadiums Mm -hmm. um you know i think 
probably uh, the sheds, you know, the summer amphitheaters. And I, I don't yeah. love those um, arenas. We played a few arenas and a few sh- sheds. And I told my, my booking agent uh, a decade ago that I want to be big enough to play the arena, but I don't want to play the arena. Instead of doing, <laughs> you know, instead yeah. of doing that, I want to play the theater that holds three or 4,000 people and do it for three or four nights. And that way everybody gets to stay in the city for a little while. And the crew doesn't have to take everything down and and set it back up every day. And the shows are better and the sound is better. And um, it's just a better time. Yeah, it's it's been interesting to watch you, especially over the last 10 years, because you achieved a certain level of fame, but it was like the cool kind of fame. It's that this happens in comedy, too, where these comics become the comedian's comic mm-hmm. where yeah. They're famous. They're doing well. This was Bill Burr for a while. And then he actually graduated from that and became bigger. Then he just became Bill Burr. Right. But there's that stage where all the other comedians love him, love whoever it is. And and if you're like, who's the funniest person? Right now? It's fucking Bill Burr. He's the best one. And it seems like you've been in that zone musically where the other artists love you. And that's been the case mm. for 10 years. And yet yeah. I want like I wonder like are you gonna have that moment and maybe the maybe this documentary will, will kickstart it, but is there like another level to it? Or are you happy where you are? You know, I, I am happy where I am. I, I accept that there is another level. I don't know how probable that is for somebody who makes the kind of music that I make. Um uh if it happens, I think I'm pretty well equipped to handle it, you know. Um Yeah. Like my, 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 my best friend, Will Welch was asking me this question the other day. He was like, man, what if this makes you more famous? And I was like, yeah, it's not, it's not going to do that in a way that, that hinders anything. You know, I think, I think it was Diddy and Joan Diddy and that said, you want to be, you want to be famous enough to get a table at the good restaurant, but you don't want anybody to interrupt you while you're eating. There's this perfect line, you know, and, and like, like I said the other day at, at uh, one of the documentary at the documentary premiere here in Nashville, like I can go to target by myself, you know, I can also, I can buy anything in target, anything that I want in the whole store and I can go in there without getting bothered. So I really like that. That's a nice place to be. Um, uh, if if it takes off more, that's fine. It'll require some planning and and it'll bring new challenges. But that's not what I'm that's not what I'm looking for. You know, I mean, I just like I like to have guitars. I like I like to have a lot of old guitars. They they bring me a lot of joy, and I like to not have to worry or argue with my wife about money. Um, <laughs> other than that, you know, it, other than that, it doesn't really serve me to be more more famous. You mentioned Will Welch. He's running GQ now, but you've known him yeah. for a while. Is he like your conciliary on some of the celebrity career stuff? Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he knows actual famous people, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what works and what doesn't, you know. He he's sort of, we talk about all kinds of stuff. We we've been really close for twenty years now. I met him right around the same time I met Amanda, my wife. Um right. Which was interesting because this was like the lowest point of my life when I met those two. I was I was making a record with the Drive By Truckers, and Will was uh, the Fader sent Will down to cover that. He was writing for the Fader in New York. He'd just gotten out of uh, Columbia, and uh, he came down to Alabama to cover that. And you know, I was I was in the process of getting a divorce with another member of that band, and with Shauna, the bass player. 
And I was just drinking myself into a stupor every night and, and really thought, you know, this is, uh, I, I've hit bottom and I, uh, bounced for a while. I didn't just, you know, I didn't clean up right after that, but you don't realize what kind of stuff's happening to you when you're at, at, you know, what you think might be the lowest point of your life. I was meeting two people who would be extremely significant to me for a long time. So right. sometimes, sometimes it looks like terrible things are happening and good things are happening too, you know. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, a word winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right? First half of the first game. I don't know. West Coast time. That's usually about. Five o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. You know, I don't want to spoil the documentary for the people who haven't seen it yet, but it goes into some of the demons you're battling, um, especially in the 2000s when you're drive-by truckers. Mm-hmm. Can, you, can you be a great artist if, if you're not coming from some basis of pain? Um, you don't have to experience the pain personally. If you're very aware and very empathetic, then yeah, you can be a great artist and have a nice, normal, well-adjusted life. Um, uh, but, but no matter what you have to be aware and you have to understand, you got to either empathize with yourself or empathize with somebody else. Um, and you know, I think, Definitely everything that I did led me to here, so I don't regret it. But I also, I don't think it's necessary for any kind of creative uh, brilliance. I, I think, you know, if you learn how to make something and then there's there's plenty of plenty of sad shit going on within a one mile radius of wherever we are in the world. So, you know, I think there are some really great artists who probably haven't you know, who, who've been pretty well adjusted, uh, human beings for their whole lives. But, uh, you know, for whatever reason, that's not what happened with me. Yeah. I do think there's probably different paths, right? And one of the paths is when I was growing up, not me, but just in general, um, I gravitated to my guitar because it was my escape from all this other shit that happened. And that mm-hmm. seems like what a lot of what happened with your childhood where you're like, all right, I have this, I'm good at this. Totally. I can disappear into this and you're just Mm -hmm. playing, 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 playing. And by the time you're 17, you're like a prodigy. 
Yeah, no matter what, no matter what happened, man, and whatever it was, you know, uh, that's always where I went. And that's always what I focused on. And I was kind of obsessive about it, you know, and I spent 10 or 12 hours a day playing the guitar, you know, um, and it's, I'm still that way. I still feel like that. I don't have the time that I had when I was 12, of course, but, uh, but I still, you know, I get up thinking about the guitar and, and, you know, go to bed checking all my calluses and my fingernails to make sure that everything's holding up. Sometimes I have to put super glue on. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it, it, it's something that served me really well. And I think, you know, that that's one of the main purposes of art. And I think that's how you get really, uh, personal and for lack of a better term, authentic work, you know, if it's something yeah. that you've come, come to the hard way, yeah. you know, I love, man, I love the blues. Like the first time I heard that stuff, I, I just fell in love with it. My grandfather would, he was a Pentecostal preacher and he would play guitar with me for hours. And, and you know, I'd have to play rhythm guitar while he played banjo or mandolin or fiddle or something. And then to reward me at the end of that, he would tune his guitar to an open tuning and play it with his pocket knife and play the blues. And that, right. for some reason, I was just immediately addicted to that. So that's what I became obsessed with. And my life did not, you know, have similar patterns to Robert Johnson's life or, or Sonny Boy Williamson's life or Howlin' Wolf or whatever. Um, but I, I understood those emotions enough to know what music, what purpose music was serving, you know. And as I got older and and studied more of the kind of life that those guys led, um, it 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 helped me sort of broaden the context for what they were singing about and what they were doing. And right. um, I can't sing the blues; I'm not qualified to sing the blues. But but that sort of uh, that that spirit uh you know is in everything that i do i i think well if if they could if they could have this difficult a life and sing about it in a way that's this beautiful at least i can do my version of that at least i can do my best to to stay honest and to keep showing people more of myself um in the work yeah when you know, people ask me for advice or the parent asking for advice for their kid. My kid wants to be a writer. My kid wants to go into podcasting, like whatever it is. I always go to the default thing of like, if you really want to do something, you have to be like obsessed with it. If you want to be really good at mm -hmm. it. Right. And it probably starts at an early age. Like you're not gonna be like, oh, you know what? I've decided I want to be a writer. I'm just going to start writing yeah. stuff. It's like, cool. Well, how many books have you read? What are your favorite books? Who are your favorite authors? How many, how many times have you read the same book over and over again because you became so obsessed with how the person did it that you just want to keep reading it to see how they crafted it? And, mm -hmm. you know, same thing with music. All right, I love, I want to become whatever. All right, how many, who are your favorite artists? How many, what are you trying to steal from each person? What are you trying to take away? And it's that obsessiveness and that drive, that makes the difference. And I, it's really yeah. hard to explain to people that. It's not just like, oh, I'm going to walk into being blank. It's, right. you know, it's like a lifelong obsession with whatever. Those are the people that usually make it. I don't really yeah. have, I don't know a lot of people who are like, oh, my 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 son fell into blank. And all of a sudden yeah, right. he's great at it. Like, this is yeah. like, it takes forever. This is one of the things I try to tell my kids. It's you know, if you want to be really good at something, you have to become a little obsessed by it. And if you're not obsessed by it, you're not going to be good at it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The difference between being something and doing something, you know, if you want, if you want to, if you want to be a writer, uh, you're probably shit out of luck. But if you want to do writing, 
then one day you will be a writer, you know? Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, like my, my, you know, my little brother was a kid. My mom said, well, he wants to play baseball when he grows up, you know? And I said, look out the window and tell me if that boy's got a baseball in his hand. Uh, right, you know, right. if he doesn't have a but it's 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 four o'clock in the afternoon if he is not holding a baseball he is not going to be a baseball player when he grows up you know um and, and that is it's true it's that 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 need to do something rather than the want to be something i think is is what winds up getting you there you know i worry about with the culture we're in now where you get the immediate gratification for so many different things that journey is so much harder now because you have so many days. Like, think about you if if the internet and video games and all these different things had been there in the late nineties for you in the right, mid nineties. Right. Um, would yeah, you have gravitated yeah, your guitar for ten hours a day? You know, probably you know, not. I feel, no, probably not. And also, one thing that 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 concerns me is uh, the idea of displaying something before you've had enough time to really master it, you know? And nowadays I see a whole bunch of like kids on Instagram playing the guitar and, you know, yeah, there, there's, there's promise there. And, and uh, you know, some of them there's virtuosity there, but eventually everybody's going to be basically the same age. You know, you get right. to a point past 18 where no longer are you a, a, a child prodigy. You're just a dude with a guitar. And there's a million of you, you know, and what's impressive when a kid does it is not so impressive when an adult does it, um, you know. So it's like I'm glad that I wasn't given the opportunity to show the world what I could do when I still couldn't really do it, you know, when it yeah, was that's impressive a great point. because I was a kid. That part yeah, scares you, me. You're like a 14 year old playing Layla and putting it on Instagram. Exactly. Right. Some, Great stuff, man. You killed it. And then you think yeah. you're good and you're not good yet. You go do something else. Yeah. Instead of, you know, instead of my uncle saying, yeah, that's not exactly right. You keep practicing, you know, that you got somebody on Instagram saying, Oh, that's amazing. You're the, you're, you, you know, just follow your dreams. And, and, you know, so that's a little bit disconcerting. And also there's this thing now that I have noticed where because there's not as much money in the music business, it's not as uh, um, um, financially feasible to be a side person. You know, yeah. uh, like in the 70s and 80s, you had these famous people who would go out, you know, Reggie Young and Michael Landau and all these incredible musicians who Pino Palladino, people who would play an instrument and they would join an artist or join a band and they would make a good living. And, they, and you know, nowadays they all live in Hawaii and uh, it, it's fantastic. But, but we don't the, the records don't sell like they used to. So that money is not there. And side people don't make what they used to make. So a lot of people are choosing to have their own band or their own act. And so there's so many of these kids who are really great musicians, great guitar players, uh, but they don't they don't have songs. And so they're yeah. playing this fantastic guitar and the songs are just awful. And I'm thinking, man, if if you were in a rock band, if you were playing with somebody who had some songs who could sing, the finished product would be so good, but they can't afford to do that because right. they have to to keep their bills paid and then not have to re-enter the workforce. They have to be their own artist. So that that's a little bit of a change too. There's also this is a learning from past generations thing. The the stories that we grew up with in the sixties, seventies and eighties were usually this band where they started the band all together and they all split the royalties. Mm -hmm. But there was one guy who was the most important part of the band. 
And eventually yeah. he was like, wait, why the fuck am I sharing all this money with these guys? Yes. And, yes. and then the band would split up. Now, in the last 20 years, it seems like we've moved away from bands and more toward the individual artist who then has, you know, the, mm-hmm. the musicians that work with him. But it's not yeah. the band in the same way that we grew up with. And there's just way less bands. And I can't, there's lots of reasons for this. Like, I think that's one reason. It's also rock music in general. Maybe there's been so many different songs that have played over the years that it's it's hard not yeah. to be derivative of one of them. What What are other reasons you think we don't have bands like we used to? We've moved into producer-driven media in a lot of ways. Um, and, you know, I'm not I'm not bemoaning this. I, I don't I have no value judgment on whether this is a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the way things are. But um, because of the ability, technology's made it possible for you to produce music on just the laptop that I'm sitting here talking to you on. You know, I yeah. could make an entire album on this. Uh, I could write top lines. I could, you know, I could make a pop record and then get somebody in to sing it. And there you go. It's done. That's the whole album. I could master it in this machine. I could put it up on SoundCloud or on, you know, any uh, uh, DSP. I could do it all with just this. Um, and then when you don't sell a whole lot of records, uh, you know, and you have to cut costs, that's the best way to do it. So you got got people who are controlling more as a producer than they ever have in the past. And the last thing a producer wants, trust me, as a producer, the last thing you want is a band in the damn studio. Yeah. It's the worst because you got to go through every single member of the band. There's always one guy that's all fucked up and shows up late and doesn't know what he's doing. And he's the <laughs> one that has the most opinions. And yeah, it's so much easier just to do it all inside the box and then get somebody to sing and then you're done. Um, you know, bands have sort of priced themselves out really over the years, you know, just by, by using uh, their celebrity or their fame or their success as uh, an excuse to get away with with being an asshole, you've sort of eradicated yourselves because people just don't want to deal with you anymore. And it's so much easier just to deal with my my computer and make a record and not have to put up with a bunch of personalities. I don't want to spoil the doc, but um, we do cover the part when you randomly join the the truckers and all of a sudden you're there. And how old were you when you when you're 21 when I joined. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you went from being like, man, it'd be awesome to be in an awesome band someday. And all of a sudden it's happening to you mm-hmm. and you're touring with this band that's already established. Um, yeah. And needless to say, you didn't handle some aspects of that. Well, what, what would you, if you could go back and tell 21 year old you, yo, here's three, here's three tidbits. What, what would you yeah, tell 21 year old you as that's happening? I mean, knowing what I know now, you know, I think the only thing I would say, honestly, the only thing I would say is don't don't get married uh, uh, because you're not ready for that. You know, right. Everything else, everything else. I mean, we were grownups, you know, they were sure grownups. They were much older than I was. Um, and, uh, you know, I look back on it and think I'm, I'm, I'm truly grateful for all that stuff because I joined the perfect type of band for what I wanted to do then. They gave me something that I would not have gotten otherwise. Um, We listened to a lot of music uh, that I never heard before, stuff that I fell in love with, uh, because they were really kind of a punk band. They were an independent punk band. And and I saw, uh, most importantly, that, that 
making a successful career out of the music business is not all or nothing. It's not a lottery ticket. Like, you know, Patterson was booking those shows himself on the one cell phone that we all shared while we were riding down the road in the van. He had a big notebook that had all the gigs written down in it on the dashboard. And he would sit in the passenger seat and he would call uh, promoters and, and club owners and book shows four or five months in advance, write them down in that notebook and we'd go play those suckers. And, um, you know, when a manager or a label or somebody didn't do what we thought they should do or didn't do what Patterson thought they should do, he'd let them go. You know, he'd find a way out of that deal and unafraid, you know, not like, uh, what are we going to do without these people's support? None, none of that. It was like, this is what we're doing. And if you don't want to allow us to do that, we'll find somebody else. And, I learned so much from that experience. And then, yeah, you know, I mean, uh, I was not easy for them to be around after a few years and, and shit got real weird and it got real heavy. And, um, you know, I, but I don't, I don't necessarily think that I regret it. Uh, I, I think that it just had to, it had to happen to teach me some of the things that I know now, you know, if I hadn't learned those lessons then, I don't know how long it would have been before I learned one of the things I love about this documentary that we have coming on April 7th is it's about the process of creating art. And I think that's what drew you to it too, especially as you saw different mm-hmm. cuts of it. Um, did you see the Beatles documentary about um, when they were the making get back. that? Oh God, yeah. yeah. I so, wept, man. I sat there Yeah, I was going to say, like, was that like everything you ever wanted in a, in yeah. a documentary oh, about yeah. them? Yeah, that's the greatest fucking music nerd moment of all time man because it's just like you just get to see it happen like like you know you're the john and uh uh, was a grossman john and the manager over having a conversation about you know how they're going to design the stage uh for the rooftop concert and you hear in the background you know you hear you hear let it be you hear the chords to let it be happening right. on the piano you know and then paul's stopping and he's like no that's not right dun, 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 dun. and it's it's just mind-blowing it's mind-blowing and and yeah poor ringo ringo just wanted to keep being a beetle man. everybody else had all this other stuff going on and ringo's just like ah oh, this is not over you guys don't know what you're talking about we're gonna <laughs> beetles will live on you know right and I, it was yeah it was it was beautiful because it is like you know, those guys are the, 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 the defining moment of, of what we do. I mean, even if you're not a Beatles fan, you have to understand that before they started making records the way they made them, you know, engineers were wearing lab coats and, and a musical studio was treated like a, like a hospital or a science lab where you, you weren't allowed to touch anything. If you were the musician, you came in, you did what you were told, you know, you stayed out of the way and, they changed all that and made it possible for us to really express ourselves. So to see it happen in real time was, was amazing. Did you see, did you recognize any things that you've gone through with like the relationship with, with uh, Paul and John and how George was kind of over there and they needed him, but there were times when he's like, Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not really in this. This sucks. Yeah. The resentment of it, man, that's, that's the worst. And, and, you know, that, that definitely happened with the trucker stuff and it's, it's happened, you know, in other forms since then and, sh- and, and will happen for the rest of my life in some way. You'll always wind up in a room with somebody who just hates your fucking guts at that moment and doesn't know how to communicate that with you. Um, 
but it is they were young you know they were kids when that when that was happening uh, you know 25 26 years old and um you know it's it's to me that that idea of being able to say what you need and make boundaries for yourself you know it it limits the number of resentments you have as you get older i think that's how it's supposed to work you know and Probably nowadays, if they were all in the same room together trying to make that record, um, I think George would be able to say, hey, this is not this is not OK with me. You know, I too right. am a Beatle, you know, and my songs are good and this is a good yeah. idea. But when you're a kid, man, and in that kind of spotlight, I can't I can't imagine. Sometimes it's just easier to sit there and stew about it. I don't want to spoil our doc, but there's a couple moments when. You're you're playing out a song that you came up with for everybody else and they're kind of reacting to it in the room. Somebody mentions how um, that's basically your process is you bring them the semi-finished song and then they kind of add stuff to it. When did that become the process? That's sort of always been the way I've done it, you know. Yeah. Um, in the early days with the truckers, we would write separately and uh you know, very, very rare. I don't think we ever really wrote together. We would just come in like I've written this song and we would play it for everybody. And then we would go sit down and start figuring it out. And that's kind of how, how I do it with this band now, you know, um, uh, because it seems to, for me, if you've got really good musicians, you know, if you don't have really good musicians, then you're going to spend a lot of time in the studio. And it's going to cost you a lot of money. Yeah. So you need to rehearse things beforehand. You know, if you only have a couple days to make a record, you've got to rehearse everything before. But for us, we, we're at that point where we can get a nice room for a couple of weeks. And we're also good enough players where we can quickly get something recorded before before you get to that point where you're just performing it. And, you know, I, I like to try uh, my production method is to try to get a bunch of good players who don't really know the song yet. And that's usually where the good take is when they're still working off of creativity a little bit before they start going into what they've memorized, you know? Um, so well, I'll that's one of the coolest play. part of the doc. I, it's like, yeah, it's one of my favorite parts cool. of the doc because we captured a few times in there. But, you know, why, why would, I mean, to me, it seems like, why would you do it any differently? And I know if you're making a big slick pop record, you got triggers and you got everything has to be the same intensity and you got to do all these vocals and all these whisper tracks that, you know, make things sound a certain way, but we're a rock band. And if you're a rock band and everybody can play, it just go in there and play, you know, and if the song yeah. is good. Uh, it all works out, but but the 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 hard part is that first time you play that song for everybody, because nobody's heard it yet, you know, nobody but you, and and you always in the back of your mind, you're always thinking, I might be completely out of touch with what's good, you know, I might think this is good because I wrote it, not because of its own merits. Has there ever been a time when you were like, I'm right, and I know these people are wrong. None of them like this song, but I know this is the right song, and <laughs> Either you were right or they were right, but you just kind of kept going and you just ignored all the all the social cues. Um no. Not you trust, really, so no. you trust them. I mean, you trust the group. I trust them, yeah. We've known each other a long time. And like I grew up with Chad and Jimbo, the the bass player and the drummer, and uh, you know, and then uh I mean Derry's been with us for sixteen years, fifteen years and you know, Sadler's the new guy. He's on like year 12 now, I think. So it's, it's, I trust them. And, uh, and they really don't 
I don't know that that's ever happened. I mean, uh, if the song makes it out of my house, you know, because usually Amanda hears them. Uh, if yeah. the song makes it out of the house, if it survives the house, then it'll survive the studio because she 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 can be very honest. <laughs> right. This episode is supported by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, "Man, why did that happen?" If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything. There's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Well, we should, we haven't even talked about Amanda. It's pretty rare for a musician to have their wife doubling as their muse, but then also Mm -hmm. being in the band, but she's also a one-on-one and she's even become more famous since uh, Sam started working on this documentary. But, (laughs) Yeah, I would say it's about as unusual of an arrangement as as we've seen in music. I don't really know that many other. Are there other parallels to this? You know, there are, I think, but I don't know that they've all ended well. Um, uh, <laughs> it's a tough, it's a tough dynamic. But you know, man, I'm easily bored uh, and uh, in a relationship, and and I think Amanda is too. So it's kind of like we needed some challenges and yeah. uh, uh and i think that i think that keeps us happy and keeps us on our toes and uh also i mean it, it clearly results in in better work i think from both of us and uh i mean i think it's super important to have somebody around who knew you before you were a big deal and will call you on your bullshit and it, right. it hurts, man. It hurts. It sucks. It would be so easy just to have a bunch of people who said, you know, whatever you say goes. And and that's great. But uh, that's not good for your brain. It's not good for your soul. You got you got to have somebody there who will say this song's not great. You know, uh, you need to work on this some more. And uh, yeah, it's tough. And sometimes you get mad about it. And sometimes you stop around and sulk for a couple of days. But if you got any sense, you'll go back and look at it again. Um, and if you trust the person. Uh, but yeah, it we we constantly navigate, you know, when is she going to yeah. play with us? When am I going to play with her? When are we going to tour together? When are we going to tour separate? Who's going to take the kid? You know, it, it's a it's a lot of logistical questions to answer and a lot of emotional questions to answer, but I like it. Uh, it, it makes me feel like I'm alive and, and, and uh, I don't think I would want any different. 
I don't want to dwell on that because it's such a big part of the documentary. I mean, it's right, really, right. It's about you, but it's also really the relationship and how you navigate that. So I don't want to hit that too hard. Yeah. I want to say this though, because yeah. I got to see you in person last week with her and you can see it in the doc too. There's something captivating about you guys on stage together. And mm -hmm. it's a really, I, I remember 20 years ago, I went to uh, the summer K-Rock concert they have in LA when Jack and Meg White, it was the White Stripes. They were at their, like their absolute apex. Yeah. And there was just something about watching them on stage. It was just the two of them. They were so fucking good. It was like one of the best music fan experiences I've had in my life. They were just locked in. They had this weird chemistry and vibe together. I didn't know, the audience kind of, you don't even know how to describe it. And it was so intense and they were just locked into each other. And there was just more going on than the music. And you're like, what's going right, on with right. these two? And somehow you guys have that, even though it's a more benevolent version of it. But um, it's really Sometimes rare it to is. see. <laughs> yeah, maybe that. Sometimes uh, it's benevolent, yeah. Um, but it's really rare to see that on stage because for the most part, you see people who are band members or people that grew up together or people that are buddies. But you don't see like a male and a female who are as good as each other musically and then they're carrying all this baggage and good and bad that they're bringing on mm -hmm. the stage and you're kind of watching and you're like, what, what am I watching here? There's performance. It's authentic. It's just mm -hmm. unusual, but it, it's really captivating. And I think you guys both know it too. Um, yeah. It, oh yeah. Yeah. It's rock but, and roll, you know, and it's like you can, when you're watching that, you know that these people aren't just going through the motions, right? You know, they're, they're, some, they're up there, whatever they're doing, they mean it in one way or another. You know, there's something, they're not acting. They're not just showing us work that they've already done. They're actually doing emotional work in the, in the moment. Um, so when did you uh, stumble into that? What year? Like, uh, when did you realize you had that with her? Oh, um, you know, she had joined us on a few things, like in the studio and a few live shows. I don't know. Uh, probably 13, 12, 13 years ago. And, yeah. uh, uh, you know, the first thing she played on Alabama Pines and uh, Codeine off of that solo record that came out before Southeastern, Here We Rest. And and that was the first time we'd really worked together. And then she came out and played a few shows. And you just us. had it? You just had the chemistry? Yeah. You could feel it? Yeah. Yeah. It was obvious, you know, that, that, that uh, we belonged on stage together. You know, at that point, it wasn't obvious that we belonged in other places together but uh, yeah. it became that way after a while yeah um uh, but that's the thing about uh like we were talking about bands you know that's part of the part of the allure is is seeing people that you know they know each other really well and they're not just hired guns and they're not up there you know just for a paycheck they they're up there working through some shit in real time you know yeah. and, and that's kind of that's sort of the ultimate beauty of live music you know this fragility like i remember back in the day you know you would go see uh, cat power um you know, when you would see her perform, sometimes she would just get terrified of being on stage and being under the lights and she would she would just take off, you know, done, run off stage. That's the end of it. Uh, but you always knew uh, that something real was happening, like uh, Elliot Smith at the Oscars that year, you know, when right. it's like Celine Dion, all these people dressed up in 
famous, like dressed up in Versace, singing these huge ballads, and and then Elliot Smith's out there and with a with a Yamaha acoustic guitar and a you know thrift store tuxedo is singing by himself. It's it's just it's instantly you're 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 aware of the difference between that and some big presentation. It's like no, this this dude's scared. You know, I don't know. He's he looks terrified up there. This is amazing. Let's see what happens. So let's <laughs> right. see if he can keep it on the track, you know. You know, the best example of this for me is Fleetwood Mac, who wor- worked out all their shit in one of the greatest albums of all time. And then yeah. really on stage forever. And it just they had multiple relationships going sideways, but intertwined. But the Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham part, um, yeah, which just kept going, kept going. They finally, they, the band breaks up, they get back together and then they have that, that 97 concert. I think it was called yeah. The Dance when she sings yeah. Silver Spring. And yeah. she has so much baggage from that song because they wouldn't let it on rumors. She was pissed off about mm-hmm. it for 20 years. It's about Lindsey Buckingham and she's singing it to him and she gets mad at him during the song. And it's like, it's part performance, but it's part like 100% real. And it cuts to him yeah. a couple of times. And he has this look on his face like, what the fuck is going on? And she's just like 25 years of whatever they went through is just coming out in the song. It's fucking amazing. Um, Yeah. It's, it doesn't happen that often with the stage performances, but when it happens, it's the, it's the best. Yeah. You know, Fleetwood Mac is like, that's, that's what I call the bait and switch. Cause it's like, it's like Keith Richards. It's like, like when you see them doing that, if you are a young musician, do not think that you can do that and that you want <laughs> right. to do that. These people are not like you. Keith Richards is not like you. Fleetwood Mac is not like you and your wife. Do not try this at home, no matter <laughs> if you think you can handle it or not, because those people have a constitution that is made of different stuff than the rest of us. Um, I watched that show, yeah, that, it, da- that Daisy Jones show on Amazon. I watched all 10 mm-hmm. episodes with my wife. It, it's okay. It's, it's basically yeah. like they're it's basically they're doing Fleetwood Mac, but not really. They're doing a different version right. of it. And it's right. probably too many episodes, but there were some good parts. And a lot of it was stealing a lot of that working, working yeah. stuff out on stage, how you really feel about somebody. I don't know if you saw it. Did you see it? No, I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it. It's it's a little close to home. You know, I like I, I know some of the folks that that stuff was based on. So I'm kind of like, eh, there's no really there's no way I can go into that and and, and get the full effect, you know. Um, cause I'm always thinking that's not what happened. That, that's not what, that's not what he said. You know, what was the star is born experience like for you? Because you, great. you wrote a couple of the songs. I, I don't know if everyone knows this who's listening, but you wrote a couple of the songs that became kind of the iconic songs from that movie. That movie became I, a phenomenon and they were your, they were your music. Yeah, I wrote, well, I wrote the one, I just wrote one and it was the one that was Bradley Cooper's hit. Uh, oh, I thought you wrote time. two. You only wrote the one. No, just the one. Yeah. Okay. Um, my bad. But it was it was great. It was like uh, you know, I was finishing an album with Dave Cobb and Dave was working with them. And he said, Do you have anything that might work for this movie or can you write anything? And I said, No, I don't I don't I don't have time for that. You know, I heard a star is born. I thought another remake of this movie. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not gonna be worth my trouble. And I just wrote a record and recorded it. And Amanda was like, You're crazy. You have a lot of songs. You know, go dig through all your shit and come in here and sing it for Dave and see if anything works. It'll take you Mm. one day and, you know, don't be an idiot. And I was like, okay, all right, fine. And sure enough, she was right. And, uh, you know, I had a song that worked perfectly for it. And then, 
you know, I met Bradley Cooper and he told me about the movie and I thought this might actually not suck, you know, and, and when I saw it, the way that he had treated it and the way he was, uh, you know, approaching the story, I was like, this is good. It's, it's shockingly like that was one of the biggest surprises in my life was that a star is born. That remake turned out to be good. Because I agree I, I with really, you. I, I thought the I odds thought were like 20 gonna, to one. Yeah. This could be terrible. There's no way. I mean, and it was great. It was, they did a really good job with it. And, um, you know, now like Eddie Vedder covers that song in his, in his solo set, you know, and I ran into him in a hotel gym Yeah, and we, we didn't know each other. And I was like, Hey man, you sing one of my songs. I wrote that song from a star is born. And now I'm friends with Eddie Vedder. It's amazing. Oh my God. Yeah. It was amazing. Well, he's a national league rival of yours though. He's a Cubs fan. I know. I know. Did I know. you guys he work is. that out? No, we haven't. We, there's no working that out, man. They got Dansby. There's no working that out. Yeah, that's bullshit. Um, that's that sucks. What's your anyway. What's your favorite music movie? Just out of curiosity. Um, my favorite Do you have music one? movie. Um, you know, I love the last waltz because that kind of hit at a that that re release yeah. that hit me at the perfect time. Um, um, I really like for performance stuff the uh, how the West was won. Led Zeppelin thing is is really really good, uh, but you know I love Sam's Wilco movie. I'm trying to break your yeah, heart. I yeah, yeah, yeah. As far as documentaries go, man, that's that's amazing. I mean, that was that's an really OG. That work. was first wave of yeah, just, you know, setting the template for what the, what the next twenty years were going to look like. Yeah, and everybody was. We were all watching it. You know, we were all watching it. Um, but the uh, the Beatles, the eight hours of the Beatles. Um, yeah, you know that that's 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 hard to beat. That just kind of like, like that's leaps and bounds beyond everything rock and roll doc all right i promised you baseball talk before we go um, oh yeah you're a lifelong braves fan even though mm -hmm. you grew up in alabama but what so what were the choices uh the for braves baseball because you don't have a baseball team braves or cardinals you just had to pick yeah i had to pick and uh yeah so i was a braves fan but you know we had uh tbs showing all the games in those days yeah and then w wgn was showing all those cubs day games and i spent a lot of time with my grandparents and they were really religious so we couldn't watch anything on tv because it might have a cuss word or a boob or something so the only thing that we could really watch was baseball and they before i got them into it they hadn't been into any kind of sports at all and we wound up watching baseball together every so summer, the early bob horner summer. dale murphy era to start this or, was like yeah this was yeah i started with like bob horner and dale murphy and then moved on to the great you know the great pitching rotation uh yeah the the smoltz glavin um uh maddox and avery you know the charlie you when you win you win you won asterisk world series we got it there's still put a nice little asterisk next to that one yeah so, like, why is there an asterisk yeah, a little lockout world series. world series it's fine that wasn't it, a lockout 80 percent counted it's fine no, you, no, get to, you get to count it the lockout was before that you mean the uh the strike when tony Gwynn was about to hit 400 that yeah, was you won the next before. you won in 95 it was we the won year 95 after the strike. yeah 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 but that didn't affect that was still anyway yeah, um, i put an asterisk next to it well, I, you could put an asterisk <laughs> next to how many walks we had on that pitching staff that year, if you want to do that, because there was like, what, nine walks all season, if that's what Yeah, that was amazing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, that was, I was, what, 15, 16, and I was watching something with my grandparents. Who does that? Yeah. Who hangs out with their grandparents when they're 15 or 16 years old? Um, so, so the Braves really ever special. since. When did yeah, you start? I stayed with the Braves. When was the first? You must have played National Anthem for them at some point. 
No, I didn't. I've never, I've never done that. I've never done the anthem. Um, I've been to a whole lot of games, though. I remember going and and uh, going down on the field uh, a few years ago, and uh, uh, one of the front office guys was like, "Hey, you gotta, you gotta meet this kid. We just signed this kid. Come over and talk to him." And it was Ronald Acuna, and he was, mm-hmm. you know, nineteen, and he was skinny and just knocking the ball a million miles. He's like, you just wait until he's had a couple of years to work out and eat three meals a day. Cause he's been in Venezuela this whole time and he hadn't had access to anywhere to lift weights or, right. you know, any kind of good food and just give him a couple of years. And sure enough, man, he just kept getting bigger and bigger and more amazing. Um, yeah. So that was, that was really cool. And I got to be pretty good friends with Dale Murphy over the years. Um, and uh, Dale is a pretty incredible dude. Like he comes and sees us when we play in Salt Lake City and he brings all of his gigantic children. They're all <laughs> just huge, square shouldered, yeah. you know. Uh, but, you know, like he'll go to the merch table and buy T-shirts for his whole family. Uh, and then they'll go in the bathroom and change and put the T-shirts on and come back after the show to say, <laughs> hey, and get their picture. They're the, sweet, they're the sweetest people in the world. Really cool folks. Well, we're taping this before the baseball season starts and we're both yeah. excited about the pitch clock and just in general, faster games, no more shift. Yeah. Like they I finally like started listening to us on, listen to anybody who cares about baseball. Like, hey, can you fix a couple of these things? Yeah. I hate the shift. I'm glad the shift is going. Me um, too. I don't understand the big bases. I don't think that's going to make people salivate and try to steal more. But I don't, I don't understand why. I don't get that. I'm out bigger. on this too. I didn't get that. That one doesn't make any sense. But the pitch clock, that's great. Well, they got 15 and 20, 15 seconds to 20 seconds. And yeah, and uh, I mean, there's going to be a couple guys who are smart enough to figure out um, how to take advantage of it. I look forward yeah. to seeing that too, you know. Yeah, that, I don't know if you've seen any of the Scherzer stuff, but he was like waiting until he's, like he's the, the last, guy. last, last yes. split second to throw and do all he's these the different dude. things. He's, he's the guy that's smart enough to pull that off. All right, so you have a new album coming out in June. This is coming June out on the April 9th. 7th. April and, uh, the 7th. All right, awesome. Thanks, Jason. Good to Thank see you. Thank you, Bill. Enjoy right. talking to you, man. All right, good to see you. Thanks. Have a great day. All right, that's it for the pod. Thanks to House and Nathan and Chang. Thanks to Jason Isbell. Don't forget about our new documentary, Thursday, April 7th, HBO and HBO Max. Running with our eyes closed. It's fantastic. Really proud of it. And we will see you. I'll be on the Fairway Rolling Pod on Wednesday. I'll make a Popeye on that. And then I'll see you on this feed on Thursday. We'll talk golf and basketball. Can't wait.